Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of Bird, Nick, and with me today, we're talking about how the FDA can suck it. And so, and I'm sure my guest is probably sitting there going, oh God. So we have attorney Frank Herrera, who he's been on the show before, and we're talking about um, basically how the, the uh, FDA got schooled by the cigar industry about premium cigars. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'd be a lot better if my lawn people hadn't decided right at the time that you and I were going to record to... Uh, come on out and do their thing but you know as i was telling you my listeners seem to be amused by the fact that the lawn people decide to do this to me every time so whatever anyway um so we'll we can get into it but first i want to get my cigar going do you have a cigar i know you're in your office building i don't know if you smoke in the uh, office yeah i'm not. in my office building and we have a little construction going on so we're not smoking in the building now i got you okay well, I'm going to be firing up um, a cigar that I actually smoked um, when the news came down. When the news came down, I I was obviously very happy, and I'm looking through the humidor. I want to have something good to smoke, and there was one cigar that just kind of stood out to me, mostly due to uh, due to the name, you know, and uh, it just kind of stuck out to me. So today, I'm going to be smoking. The Victory by Warfighter Cigars. And I'm going to read a little description here. The Victory Cigar is Warfighter Tobacco's fourth edition of the Victory Cigar. Each production run is done in a small batch to maximize flavor and feel. The fourth edition is a closed foot cigar, which this has, with a torpedo cap. It is a has a Brazilian Matafina wrapper with Nicaraguan fillers. The cigar changes flavor a couple times as you smoke it. It's available in a 6x54 closed foot torpedo. Very limited production. And uh, if you have to celebrate a victory with a premium cigar, the Victory Cigar is the best one that they have to offer. And it just kind of seemed appropriate to, uh, <laughs> to celebrate today with a Victory Cigar. So we're going to go ahead and cut the cigar. And the official cutting is brought to you by Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. And guys, Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company, he, uh, he's getting ready for his big... In- I've got to fly. That is just bugging the holy shit out of me. Anyway, um, Riverman Cigar Company has got the big event coming up at the end of September. And uh, he's got all kinds of great cigars rolling in. Uh, I was just over there the other day. He still has some of the uh, PCA exclusive cigars from uh, Aladino, the the Cameroon. And then he's got uh, some uh, really good stuff from EP Carrillo and a whole bunch of other brands. So, guys, if you're in the St. Louis area, you're going to want to swing by Riverman Cigar Company and check them out. And if you're not in the St. Louis area but you want to support a brick-and-mortar shop, he does brick uh, mail orders so you can give him a call and have a uh, shipment sent to you right away. So that's Riverman Cigar Company, Crestwood, Missouri. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and cut my cigar. These flies, I swear, Frank, I'm telling you, I was talking to you very briefly before we got going, and the uh, the humidity here is through the roof. I think uh, I'm pretty much recording on, I wouldn't say the 7th, I'm going to go so far as to say maybe the third level of hell right now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hotter than hell, and uh, 
it's it's humid, but these flies, these flies have added a different complication <laughs> to my life here. Well, and- Dante, Dante never lived in uh, in your area or South Georgia or Florida. Precisely. There'd be more uh, circles of hell for sure. <laughs> exactly. Seven would just be like, you know, the early stuff. But uh, we'll get a cold draw here real quick. And uh, hmm. there's a little sweetness to it, but it's also got um, some nice, like, kind of earthy component to it. So it's it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to firing this thing up and celebrating a victory with you, Frank. So... So let's get into this. Let's talk about this because um, I know you, you. it's a Monday and you've got, you know, stuff on your schedule here. So um, let's let's kind of recap in a nutshell. I know I'm asking you to recap, what, seven years worth of uh, legal mm-hmm. back and forth here. But um, in a nutshell, let's recap kind of what the issue was and then we can get into the judge's, uh, the, the judge's ruling and uh, and uh, opinion on uh, this whole thing and kind of how it all wrapped up. Sure. So first and foremost, I, I am not part of the litigation team, but my firm did file the first lawsuit against the FDA way back in 16. On uh, The complaint is actually very similar, and uh, we filed it ahead of time, but uh, of course not having the funding that these other folks had, uh, we took a back seat and let them do the work. And they did a great job. Um, no question that the team um, that, that litigated this case um, uh, understood the task um, and never slowed down. Uh, the basis of the lawsuit, as uh, many of your listeners will know from tracking this for years, was essentially that the agency acted in an arbitrary and capricious manner. And that's a fancy phrase uh, whenever you're trying to challenge an agency's uh, rule or regulation. Um, An agency only really operates um, because of congressional power, right? So the congressional power was the Tobacco Control Act. um, And then the agency in 16 issued what they called the deeming regulation. And they had done that previously for cigarettes and some other tobacco products. But in 16, they came after uh, premium cigars and non-premium cigars. And um, what resulted um, from a practical matter was uh, many cigar companies, premium and non-premium, essentially went through years of hell. Uh, We're not even talking about the litigation right now. We're just talking about um, they're complying or trying to comply with what they were reading between the tea leaves to be what the FDA thought it wanted from us. This is where yeah. a lot of my listeners might have heard terms like substantial equivalence and, yeah. you know, these grandfathered brands and and, you know, that sort of stuff. Correct. Absolutely. So just, um, you know, we'll get to, you know, your your question about, you know, the litigation and, and what it all means. Yeah. But really, I want your listeners to understand that these these companies uh, spent a lot of money and time on me and other firms uh, to try to figure out how to be compliant. Um, you know, we represent uh, many, many premium cigar uh, clients and many of those premium cigar clients also make non-premiums whether they're bundle cigars or Cuban sandwiches or flavored cigars, whatever the case may be. So, you know, they were all uh, spending lots of money on going through the grandfather determination process, which uh, is no longer called grandfather. That was canceled. Uh, it's, you know, pre-existing 
um, predicate products, whatever the terminology is, the uh, du jour right now. Um, <laughs> ingredient listings. Uh, there was a time before the CRA was successful on the warning plans that they they had to comply with the warning plan side of things. Um, uh, there's a you know there's a, a product listing process. Uh, there were inspections. The FDA showed up at many of our clients' factories in the U.S. Not not foreign yet. And, you know, and just showed up unannounced and, you know, were there for a day or two and asked silly questions because they don't understand the industry. And it really was an extremely disruptive and costly uh, uh, years since 2016. And again, I mean, you know, I'll make no, you know, hide. I'm not going to hide it. You know, our firm, uh, we made money off of it, you know, um, and we had to because there was nowhere else for these companies to turn to. Uh, there are a few other law firms that understood the process. Um, they're much more expensive. They also come from like a cigarette background. So that they're really, it was like trying to, you know, fit a square peg through a round hole. For sure. Um, so, so the, you know, we were firsthand listening to uh, and seeing the, the damage that these um, irrelevant and, 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 and ridiculous regulations that were proposed, um, you know, by the FDA. So, give you that background, CRA and CAA, those groups challenged the FDA back in 16 in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. And they essentially say that the FDA is full of shit. The FDA has uh, issued these deeming regulations that don't make any sense. They're not thought out. They're not supported by, um, you know, the proper studies as to what the impact would be on small businesses. And um, and then years of litigation ensued. As as anyone has ever been involved in federal litigation, it is uh, it's it's a it's a very difficult and very expensive process. And you can think that you have everything lined up and everything is perfect, and then something can change and everything went 180 on you. So uh, the CRA and CA uh, had some success. Uh, they got rid of the warning labels, uh, some other things. There was some summary judgment. And Judge Maida, um, essentially on August 9th, uh, recently made a, a final judgment um, on on the fact that uh, the CRA and CAA um, are correct um, from that perspective, that the rules were, in fact, arbitrary and capricious. And they didn't consider a lot of things. The FDA could not really substantiate why premium cigars were or are a current harm to uh, their intended uh, customer base, which are, you know, adults. Um, you know, these are not vape products that uh, 12-year-olds are, are sneaking behind their parents. Uh, they're not um, other kind of roll-your-own type things. They're just, there's no nemesis here. There's no, that's not the right word, but there's no real, um, you know, public danger um, by premium cigars. And that was really the intent of the Tobacco Control Act. And that was to to, to save the children, right? And to, to stop people from um, starting. Don't anybody think of the children. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, listen, you know, um, you know, regulation to a certain point um, is acceptable. It, regulation has existed in, in almost every industry. Um, and, um, you know, premium cigars and all tobacco products, uh, apart from cigarettes recently, you know, have have existed for many, many, many years without uh, regulation. But if the government is going to disrupt uh, a business, small, medium or large, it needs to, um, you know, come with the data, and they simply didn't have it. And Judge Mayda saw that, 
uh, Judge Maida um, saw that. So where are we? Um, the FDA, as you probably read or, or read uh, or seen, uh, has a time period in which they may appeal. Um, they will appeal um, to a higher court, of course, and essentially say uh, one of many things. Uh, Judge Maida erred on this. He erred on the other. And depending on what they um, appeal, there are different types of um, uh, review standards that the appeals court can take. And some of the review standards um, are, are very difficult to overcome. So the FDA would have to, um, you know, say it was an abuse of discretion or whatever the, the standard is that applies for what they want to appeal. The point of the matter is, is that um, they can appeal knowing that they'll lose to buy time or they can appeal because they think they were wronged and they want to go through the process and they have the ability to do so. So we, we don't know what they're going to do. Um, uh, I mean, knowing what agencies do and never say die, I would think they would appeal just to appeal. But it could be that the agency uh, recognizes um, that it still has the power to uh, roll out new regulations at any time. Um, what was what the federal judge said was that the deeming regulations from 2016 are vacated or uh, essentially, you know, void ab initio. You know, okay. it should have never been. So am I, am I keeping you there? And we still no, 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 no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm right. following you. So, so I think what the listeners need to understand is that the agency still has the power by the Tobacco Control Act to issue any regulations it wants. But and so tomorrow it could come out with a regulation or a proposed rule because it would have to go through the rulemaking process again, and um, come out with regulations light you know, a uh, different set, or it could uh, go back to the drawing board and find all the support it needs, but it doesn't exist to the extent that they'll need it for premium cigars. So um, there are a lot of other questions apart from the appeals. Um, many of the premium cigar um, participants uh, in the industry are asking whether uh, they will get their user fees back. Was, that's on my list of questions for you is regarding yeah. user fees. So that's the hottest topic coming through my office right now and since this judge ruling. So on the one hand, uh, just so your, your listeners understand, um, <clears throat> the user fee uh, is part of uh, the regulations. And it essentially says if you are a tobacco industry participant, <clears throat> you then have to pay um, your share of the funding of the agency that regulates you, being the FDA. It's not a tax. It's, it's, it's a user fee. So... One of the things that the CRICAA initially um, brought to the court, apart from you know that the rules are just no good, is they said, well, these user fees uh, aren't fair for us because the vape industries and e-cig participants, they're regulated by the same thing, but they don't have to pay user fees, which I thought really is fair. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't pay, and they I don't think anything's going to change with that. So. You know, cigarettes pay, everyone pays a user fee except for, for them. So essentially they said, hey, these, these regulations are not fair. They should apply across the board. What they didn't say, and, and if I'm mistaken, I hope someone points out to me, is that, um, you know, the user fees are um, not only is it not fair because there's a participant out there that doesn't pay, but um, 
But when you vacate this rule, judge, for premium cigars, then please instruct the FDA to refund our money. Yeah. Because there was never, if they never had the, the power to regulate us, then they never had the power to take our money, right? So the burning question now is, do we, uh, and, and by the way, most premium cigars are imported, as you probably know. There are yeah. some domestically made made premium cigars, but even those domestic made premium cigars pay a user fee. Um, but most user fees are paid by uh, importers, uh, the federally regulated TTB importers of record. Um, and so the products come in and uh, you know, it's four cents, five cents, whatever the user fee might be. And it's, it's kind of funny system. It's kind of based on last year, the previous year, fiscal year, and then you know, you report quarterly and pay quarterly. I don't do that myself, but that's what I'm told. But the point is, is, you know, uh, August 9th, this judge says, hey, these regs are no good. And August 10th, our phones blow up saying, hey, should my importer pay the user fee? Uh And, uh, you know, on the one hand, you think, well, a federal judge has spoken that the rules are are void ab initio. Um, But on the other hand, there could be an appeal, um, the FDA on its own can just say, um, hey, you know what? We are going to refund these and there's going to be a process and we haven't figured out what the process is yet. So so there is there is a, a process if you want a user fee refunded and it's it's but it doesn't apply. Well, it, the process, I believe, does not anticipate the legal issue that's before the FDA right now. OK, so. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to either appeal and say, no, you keep paying user fees. We're going to ask the federal judge, uh, the appeals judge, to force you to keep paying fees. Uh, or we're going to come out with a new rule. Or uh, we're going to come out with this process where your importer of record, the party that paid the user fees, um, you know, has to petition and then we'll evaluate it. I mean, there's lots of things that could happen. I don't know right now. And, uh, in fact, we reached out to the uh, FDA's um user fee department, if you will, last week. And surprisingly, we did get a response. Our, our question was, hey, we represent a lot of premium cigar industry participants uh, who've paid millions and millions and millions of dollars in user fees. What is the FDA's plan now that the judge has you know, vacated this rule? And surprisingly, two days later, they responded to us and said, we're currently evaluating this. It's very important. Uh, we'll let you know. <laughs> Which was surprising to me. I mean, they well, gave I mean, you a response, terrible. but it's not, I mean, it's not a very detailed response, but. Hey, if you deal with the FDA like we do and other lawyers out there that deal with them, that is like something. <laughs> That's <laughs> like them better. saying, hey, we understand. Yeah, something <laughs> better than nothing worried. in this case. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's no indication that these monies are going to be deposited back into the, you know, the participants' bank accounts immediately. But it shows that, you know, obviously they're paying attention. Um, in fact, judge made his order, order um, indicated uh, that the FDA's uh, biggest problem with this being vacated would be that it would be subject to litigation on the return of the user fees. And Judge Maida essentially said, that's your problem. You know, you should yeah. have thought of that, which, which I would have liked to see uh, Judge Maida be a little bit more uh, detailed uh, and say, you never had the power to do this. You took their money, uh, now return it, and with interest or not interest, whatever the case may be. Um, but he, did, he didn't do that. So um, why, I mean, maybe it would 
open them up to more appeal issues, who knows what, but that would be nice. I mean, you know, so going back to you starting with, you know, the victory cigar and all that, you know, as yes, it's a victory and it's in it and it costs a lot of money for the industry and they fought hard. Um, but I don't see it as being over, um, whether it's further litigation or, or new regulations that we have to deal with. So, and, and to your point where I consider it a victory is that I think part of the whole issue uh, at, at its core was um, defining the differences between a premium cigar and other tobacco products, be it cigarettes, vape, whatever. Um, and by doing so, I feel like this kind of like has now codified, at least in terms of like a judge's ruling, that um, this is a different product and that it should be treated in a different manner now whether or not that ends up happening you know is is completely up in the air like i had somebody ask me the other day they said you know right now uh for example instagram and facebook and and youtube you know you can't um you can't advertise you know for cigars on there because they say we don't allow advertising for tobacco products now granted those are private companies and they kind of have the ability to set the rules of, of their own company and how they do so. But at the same time, it, it does lead to the question of, well, you know, since now the, the judge has ruled that a cigar is different than cigarettes, could I potentially sue Facebook and say, you know, no, I want to promote that. And, and you know what I mean? And it, and it, it starts getting into Listen, that category. You, we, we- we have to give up this idea that we have some type of constitutional right for anything against these social media software. Now companies. I agree they, with that. They, these guys are the new, you know, robber barons. They're the new, uh, you know, totalitarian dictators. You know, they're the, the, the public is entirely, uh, you know, poisoned by these services. And I, myself, you know, we spend so much of our time and energy you know, on this garbage. And then we, we, then we complain because they won't let us advertise or something. It's, it's their ball. It's their, it's their field. It's, it's all their rules. So, you know, I, I don't think um, saying that, Hey, you know, this judge, you know, changed the definition. He's that they don't care. It's, they don't care. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to politicize this, you know, saying that they're mostly liberals or whatever the case may be, but they just don't care. You know, it's any other thing is, is, you know, uh, the, the credit card companies that are associated, they're also yeah. very anti tobacco. And the reason for that really from the, from the financial side, the credit card companies are anti tobacco, not so much because of, of health, but because historically there was a lot of fraud, uh, with, uh, with cigarettes, either counterfeit or cross state sales of cigarettes. There's a lot of, um, organized crime behind um behind cigarette sales and, and different tobacco things yeah. so financially uh that's why they're um and but the social people but going back to your point um about uh judge Mage's definition or whomever um you know came up with this definition I, I i think that's nice i think that it's nice that you know the product has been defined as this artisanal product and you know, it's handmade and all that but the truth of the matter is is there are other uh, products in my opinion that are not entirely uh, meeting that definition that I, I would think that the makers would think it's premium as well. So, so for instance, you know, a Cuban sandwich has long filler and mixed filler tobacco, right? Uh, right. But the definition says that it must have more than 50% long filler. I don't have the definition in front of me, but I think that's what it is. 
So what if what if the the long filler is forty eight percent, but the quality of the tobacco is even better? You know why is that not a premium cigar now if it meets all the other criteria? Yeah. So, and then. It, so there are different definitions also. Uh, the TTB, which is the taxing of the Federal Taxing Authority, um, has a very basic definition of a cigar. Uh, they have a large cigar definition, a small cigar definition. Um, other uh, states and other federal statutes have different definitions for a cigar. Um, so, you know, this this idea that we have a definition for premium, I don't think is this, you know, resolves all the issues. Um, and and in, in fact, I think one of the problems with this um, saying, hey, we're different, is that many cigar companies make premium cigars, but they also make non-premium cigars. Ah. So the house is divided um, many times. And, um, you know, I think I think the key really is not so much defining a tobacco product as a cigar or premium, non-premium, but it's more about looking at the practices. So, um, you know, going in inspecting, is this a dirty facility? Um, I'm okay, you know, with that, as long as the regulations make sense and they're not overreaching and they're backed by science. Um, but um, also the advertising to children or stupid names, you know, there's, there's we're adults. There's I 100% agree with you on that. I have had more than a few discussions with people regarding and I'm not going to name names, but we all know who we're talking about with different cartoon characters and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, on it's, bands. It's, I mean, I mean it's, it's this like infantilism of, yeah. of America that's going on right now. It's like, we get it. You're being cute. And I mean, but to what point? Because mm -hmm. there's adults, the rest of development that, that I, I watch cartoons. I watch, you know, Simpsons. I watch Family Guy. I watch all these weird things that my wife just can't stand. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, but the point is, is when it comes to a tobacco product, you know, we just we have to be careful. And, and um, well, yeah, because I, think, it, I and, and the discussion I've had is, is like, you know, when we're literally in court at the time, at least in court, you know, fighting to prove that we're different from all this. Why are we giving the other side ammunition showing, you know, cartoon characters and serial characters and various things like that on premium cigars trying to say oh we're different except these this this guy well you know yeah I, well i think at the at the bottom line um not the bottom line but I, one of the things that i've seen in the 22 years that i've been doing this in the tobacco industry is that uh, you have to be a bit of a cowboy to get into this business and and i'm you know separating the people that have been in the business for a long time yeah uh, because different generation of different rules and morals and everything else. But you have to be kind of, uh, you know, just, you, you just think differently. It's more like, um, you know, I'm doing this because it's, it's out there. It's not regulated or I can do what I want. And, and that's okay because I think America, you know, and we need some of that. We still need some dissenters. We need people that kind of challenge the rules and all that stuff. But I think, you know, even that uh, you need to be careful with, um, like you said, like if there's, if there's a law school suit, against the FDA, well, we're saying one thing as an industry, but participants are basically, you know, shooting a bird, uh, you know, at the whole thing. Yeah. Does it move the needle? I don't know, but is it necessary? Not, you know, so. Uh, that's a valid point. So, um, he's literally right there. Um, uh, <laughs> so in terms of, um, future issues, obviously we talked about, uh, user fees, um, you know, the other big issue that I, that I, you know, continue to hear about, which I don't know how involved you are with this, but is, um, uh, flavor bans. Um, you know, what other kind of issues 
do you foresee coming down the pipe um, that need to be addressed in kind of the short term? And then obviously, like you've pointed out, you know, this doesn't rule out that the FDA eventually will come back at the cigar industry at some point or another with other regulations and rules. And, um, you know, maybe we can talk about everybody got organized, you know, for this. But how do we um, look ahead and kind of um, prepare for future issues, and, you know, so that we're more ready at that point? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. I, I think it's happening. Um, certainly the CRA, PCA, CAA, you know, all those kind of groups, um, certainly they think about these things on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I'm not involved in any of that. Okay. I, I try to. I try to stay independent. I mean, I'm, I know people that are involved in those organizations. I've talked to those people, um, but I try to stay independent of that um, because I represent clients and I want to represent my clients and not necessarily industry groups because I don't think that an industry group can really speak for everyone's best interest all the time. I think generally uh, they've all done an excellent job um, and I think the industry is is better off because of these organizations' efforts. Um but your question, you know, what is coming? Um, the FDA is overwhelmed. It has been overwhelmed with the um, the vape and uh, e-cigarette uh, PMTA applications. You know, millions of applications were filed, um, and they say that they're almost done with reviewing all of them. M many of them were rejected uh, because they were not um, even meeting the threshold of the filing requirement. Or they couldn't meet, um, you know, uh, the studies, um, the testing that, that was required. Um, really big companies, you know, got uh, refusals, essentially. So the FDA spent a lot more of its, um, its firepower uh, on, on that segment of, of products that were deemed. Um, just to give you an example, we filed... Um, a handful, I wouldn't say a handful, over 600 uh, substantial equivalence applications, many of which were for were for flavored cigars. Um, but we did also file some for premium cigars early um, because we wanted to get ahead of the group for some of our clients in case the FDA was actually going to review those substantial equivalence applications. So um, the point is, is that and, and, and many of those were actually, uh, or many of those are still pending without uh, much more than them going to phase three and not much more communication from the FDA on those. And why? Because the FDA's, all of its efforts were on the vapes and e-cigarette side of things. And then it's also now turning to when it's, it's done with that, because that's its top priority under its objectives, you know, to curb, you know, youth initiation, uh, it will turn then to the, to the flavored cigar or uh, other tobacco products, uh, roll your own type stuff, not roll your own, but more kind of the, the wraps type thing. So, you know, they have proposed uh, some flavor regulations. Um, if they thought that they experienced litigation so far, um, they better prepare for the litigation that will follow from a flavor ban, because it will be um, it, it will be a, a significant effort, litigation effort um, by industry groups and also individual companies. Um, we have many clients in that space, um, and and they're just they're not going to take it. You know, these are not vape products. These even though they're flavored, they're not smoked by thirteen year olds. You know, again, um, there's a big misconception between uh, some of these flavored products. And, um, 
and in in the products that you know um, definitely um, attract um, kids or whatever the case may be. Well, to that point, um, and and you, pro- I would I would think you would know this a lot better than I. So, correct me if I'm wrong. California has rules related to flavored tobacco products yeah. at this point. Massachusetts, yeah, several states. And yeah. so, like, I mean, are you involved in any sort of uh, legal action or whatever? like on a state basis in in like those areas and you know can you talk about what's going on with that if so so most of those challenges i believe there's been challenges in california uh, i, I want to say swisher i don't have it in front of me right now but some of the real big players mm-hmm. you know we're talking billions of units players um are taking the lead on on cases like that okay um and on state by state, you know, and I'm not licensed in California. I mean, we could work with a firm there. It's just not something that, you know, we're set up for. We're okay. a small firm. But um, but you can be sure that if the FDA uh, launches a, a nationwide flavor ban on on cigars, um, we'll be involved, uh, whether it's through the with agents or the groups, uh, industry groups or through particular clients. Um, because, you know, it's federal practice. We can do federal practice. We have the experience and, and the ability to do that. So. Well, and I would think whatever, I mean, I would think that would actually be kind of a testing or not testing ground. That sounds, you know, kind of haphazard, but um, kind of proving ground for arguments when you look at, you know, these state cases and that sort of thing, you can kind of determine like, okay, you know, that's a valid point that needs to be explored and maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I'm not well, an attorney. I, mean, I don't know what I'm I mean, listen, much of what I do is common sense. It yeah. just happens that we do it all day, every day, whereas other people, you know, dip in, you know, once a month or a couple months. But the point is, is um, the problem with states uh, generally as it relates to tobacco is definitions um, are different in each state. Um, the, the politics of each state is different. Uh, taxation is different. Every state is its own, you know, universe. And yes, to your point, uh, litigation in some states may prove helpful in a larger fight against an FDA flavor ban. Um, you know, information that comes out, testing, experts, whatever the case may be, all of that could be helpful. Um, you know, but that's, you know, my concern is not so much the states, which it is, but um, because our, some of our clients are being hurt considerably by these bans in these states we talked about. But, you know, I'm more focused on, you know, the federal level um, of, of any bands. Of the flavor. Um, just that's that's where our focus is. Gotcha. Um, and then there was one other little follow up question I wanted to ask. And uh, uh, that was so you had talked about, you know, um, your clients uh, requesting essentially refunds of user fees. But what about all the money that was spent on, you know, substantial equivalence applications and things of that nature? I mean, there's there's a lot of other dollars that have flown uh, to the FDA or flowed to the FDA through this process that since the rule, you know, was deemed was vacated, you know, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have had to go through all that paperwork process and application process and everything. And so I guess my question is, are they also thinking about requesting that money back as well? So I think, listen, no, no question. Every person that has spent a dime on, on lawyers like me um, for uh, compliance or attempt at compliance at these FDA regulations absolutely wants their money back. 
I don't see that happening at all. And I'll tell you why, because unlike the user fees, the, the, the ability to prove what you spent and where you spent it and how you spent it and all that, and whether you did it appropriately or not appropriately or efficiently, whatever the case may be, there's no way that the FDA will have a process for that. I can't think of a single example in agency history, any agency history, where something was vacated and then the um, that agency refunded, you know, attorney's fees or... You know, oh, really I don't, yeah, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to be able to get attorney's fees back because realistically... But there's no, filing, there's no filing fees. Oh, okay. See, that... Well, that shocks me just in and of itself because, I mean, I, you know, I, I've got some experience working for the government and obviously, you know, I pay my license plate fees and everything else. And so yeah, it's like yeah, it doesn't yeah. it, it shocks me to hear that there was a application for something with a government agency that didn't have some sort of a fee attached to it. Well, that's what the user fees are there to support, right? The user okay. pay for the employees and the process and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of the things that uh, a client would have spent money on were um, product listing, um, warning uh, plans at the time, uh, grandfathered, app, you know, that's what they're called at the time, applications, substantial equivalence um, reports, you know, things of that nature. And then, you know, the way in which we we upload those and file those with the, with the government, the CTP, uh, there, there's no filing fee for that. Okay. So, and if you compare that to the user fee, um, the, you know, there are quarterly reports, you know, there's, there's actual money that went from one bank account to the other. I think that's something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, traceable and, you know, refundable, if you will. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Um, mm -hmm. all right. Well, um, why don't we now, uh, if you have a moment, I have a segment. It's the Villager Entertainment Report. And basically, this is an opportunity where you and I just kind of talk about various... Uh, my listeners like to know... They like um, uh, recommendations for TV shows, movies, podcasts, books, whatever it is that, that you've been entertained mm. by recently that you want to give a shout out to. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that briefly. Cheers. It's time for the Villager Cigars Entertainment Report. Brought to you by Villiger. Villiger Cigars, one of the leading cigar and cigarello manufacturers in the world, founded in 1888 and still family-owned and operated. Head over to VilligerCigars.com and check the store locator to find a shop near you that carries them. We guarantee that Villiger Cigars will be a wonderful addition to your humidor and cigar rotation. So what have you been watching lately, or what have you been reading or entertained by? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot, but I, I am um, a junkie of television and movies. All right, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so if, if I could, I would sit in front of a TV all day, every day, and just consume, you know, movies. So um, my wife's not too crazy about that, but I, I just love it. Um, what was it? What have been watching? Um, so Apple TV, uh, there's a show called Drops of Gold. Okay. Uh, Drops of God. I think it's called Drops of God. Um, and how do I explain it? So um, there was a, uh, the story is that there was a, a, a famous wine expert, um, French, and he moved to Japan to be a professor. He wrote a lot of books. He did a lot of um, interesting things about wine. Um, and he passed away and notice is given to his daughter who lives in France to come to Japan because, you know, to, to get her inheritance. But it turns out that uh, the inheritance, um, there's a test and she has to compete against um, someone from Japan who was a student of her father's um, and they have to basically, you know, taste wines and, you know, all this challenge and everything comes from that. And she's like, I can't believe this. It's my inheritance. You know, why am I challenged? So it's, 
I mean, I think it's fascinating. It's, you know, it's, it's about wine. It's about history. Um, a lot of really cool stuff in it. I don't know. I enjoy it. Um, Lincoln lawyer, you know, obviously the lawyer side of things, but you're not the first one to bring that up on the show. I've got a friend of mine, Travis, and he loves that show. Yeah. So I, you know, I read the book way back when, uh, I watched the movie, uh, with McConaughey, I think it was way back when, um, and then this series, um, it's pretty true to life on uh, a litigator's life, you know, the ups and downs and the strange things that happen and, you know, some of the ethical issues. Um, so I, I like it for that, for that reason. Um, books, I, it's been so long. I mean, I was an English major and uh, in my 20s and 30s, I read quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I spend my day reading stuff, you know, nonsense now. So by the time I get home, yeah. But I do read a lot of um, newspapers, well, online newspapers, of course, um, you know, just random stuff. Um, anything about golf, you know, I'm, I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting to that age where I'm obsessed about golf again. So, um, you know, anything about um, golf, of course. Um, movies, I don't really go to the movie theaters at all. Just don't do it. Um, between know- Netflix. I, yeah, yeah, I love the theater experience, but I haven't gone a whole lot this year. Um, mm-hmm. There just really hasn't been a whole lot that's caught my eye. And and yeah. I think you're just hitting on it, is that Netflix and the streaming, it seems like the movie theaters have become the domain of um, the big blockbusters and the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the more character-driven kind of smaller films. They're just going straight to streaming. Yeah. So yeah, I'm know. not going to see Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> not you're not into the Barbie phenomenon. <laughs> what about Oppenheimer? That's the other one, right? Ah uh, man, I could care less. I haven't seen. You know, that. It, you know it, it, the problem with movies like that. I'm sure it's fascinating. I'm sure it's insightful. I'm, I'm sure I'm an idiot for not seeing it. But you know, it's it, it's as many years ago. I don't know if it's going to be some revisionist history about what actually happened. Yeah. I just I don't have time for it. And maybe it's politicized. You know, I just. I, you know, I'm not into it. I get it. I'd rather watch some stupid. I'm trying to think of the name of this really stupid um, cartoon on was it Netflix or Prime or something. Um, it's about this kid that goes to school to um, to be a ship's captain. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. And then he he's like the worst in his class. So the only job he can get is uh, our cartel owns this cruise ship, and they use the cruise ship to uh, smuggle drugs. Yeah. <laughs> It's I forget what it's called Captain something or another, but it is it's hilarious. You gotta okay. watch it. All right, I'll find that. I like yeah. uh, what's the one? There's one on Netflix um, that I watched and like got away from, and now I'm back watching it again. Um, it's got Nick Kroll, and he's a little kid, and he's going through puberty, and he's got like this oh yeah uh, puberty monster and all this and everything, and it's it's filthy, but oh my god, it's the funniest freaking show. Um, yeah. I don't remember the name of that one, but uh, no, I had my son this weekend, and so obviously my TV was dominated by Thomas the Tank Engine for most of the weekend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but um, I've been watching uh, Tulsa King on Paramount Plus with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. He plays a freaking mobster who <laughs> serves twenty five years in prison. And then when he comes out, you know, the mom's like, hey, we don't have anything for you here. So we're going to ship you to Tulsa and we want you to start up an operation down in Oklahoma. And it's just all the like stuff that happens there. And you're thinking, oh, my God, Sylvester Stallone. 
dude, it's such a good show. Like if you're really? into if you're into mobster shows, it's yeah, so sure. it's so great. It's it's really, it, really great. How's it compared to Narcos to Narcos Mexico? Um, you know, I don't. I I I'll be honest. I haven't watched a whole lot. I need to get back into that. I saw just a little bit of the very first season of Narcos, and uh, I don't know why I fell out of that. I, I well, now I do. I was watching it right before my divorce, and so then I had to move. <laughs> so you know, um, but anyway, um, yeah. So I need to get back into that. But uh, I mean. It's good. I mean, Sopranos is kind of my high bar for for you know mobster TV shows, and I wouldn't necessarily put it there. But um, uh, it's made by that Taylor Sheridan guy, the uh, Yellowstone and uh, yeah, American right. Kingstown and all that. Oh, so, good, yeah. So it's kind of that level of quality, I would say. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. Mayor of Kingstown's another one. I don't know if you've watched that at all with Jeremy Renner. Um, no, that's also uh-huh. on Paramount Plus. That's a fantastic show as well. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a movie you mentioned Apple TV, and that's actually one streaming service I don't subscribe to. But uh, there's a movie that I think they're doing, and I don't know if it's out yet or not. But it's about Tetris. I've seen it. It's actually it fantastic. Good? Yeah, it's it's actually really good. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I don't want to spoil alert or anything, but um, I didn't know the the history of uh, you know where it was developed, how it was developed. Um, but it, but just, I'm not going to spoil anything, but essentially it was developed by some programmer in Russia and during the cold war. Yeah. Uh, so they essentially, they want to license it throughout the, the world. Um, I think it's a U.S. guy that wants to license throughout the world. And then, you know, of course it's a communist country at the time. And they're just like, you're not going to take our IP. And, uh, I, I'm going to spoil it if I talk anymore, but okay. it's, it's really interesting. If you, if you like, you know, Tetris, if you like gaming, if you like, you know, business, if you like uh, intellectual property, you know, all that. Um, and then there was, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, um, there was one on uh, Beanie Babies as well. Really? With Yeah, yeah. So it's the history of Thai, Thai products or Thai industries about uh, Beanie Babies. And uh, gosh, it's, um, oh my gosh, very well-known uh, comedian plays um, the founder. Um, gosh, he's the Between the Ferns guy. Um, oh, whoa, whoa, uh, Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he's the uh, the founder, and it's it's a little campy, um, but it's actually pretty good. Um, and um, I don't know, I enjoy that. I like you know stories like about you know how something was developed and all the ups and downs of the business. You For know. sure, there's a yeah. documentary on um, Netflix, have, uh, and I don't know if you're into documentaries at all, but it's uh, what's the name? It's it's like. Um, hey Pepsi, where's my jet or something like yeah, that? that? Did you yeah. see that? I thought yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, well, that's that's a that's a perfect example of the frustrations of being a lawyer yeah. and of a plaintiff and of being defense counsel. Like the whole process, um, you know, because on the one hand, you know, you know, you take black letter law and that was an offer and it was accepted and whatever else. But then the other hand, it was just you know ridiculous, of course. So I thought that was good. Um, gosh, I thought of something else just a second ago. Um, ah, shit, I can't remember. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Like I said, oh, this pain is killer. Horrible. I'm sorry. Painkillers. Pain Have you seen that? No, I just started seeing some uh, promotion for that on my Facebook feed this weekend. Actually, that's yeah. Kind of, who, who's in that? There was a. Oh, who was the actor on the poster thing that I kept seeing? Um. 
it's going to come to me. But I, I've watched about three or four of them. Jason Bateman, was it? No, Jason Bateman's not it. No. It's um, no, it's um. Gosh, what is this guy's name? Uh, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. Um, yeah, it's a little politicized. It's a little campy. It's you know, it's a little goofy at times. But it's again, it gives you a little background of the history of of the product and. Uh, I can Matthew, see Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who doesn't look like Matthew Broderick? Because you know they they've aged him and all that. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there mm-hmm. was another one um, that had. Uh, was it Michael Keaton? Not Michael Keaton. What was the one that was on uh, Hulu about? Maybe it was Michael Keaton. About painkillers. Um, oh. This goes to show the amount of show prep that I do, you know. I'm just, uh, just the poor guys listening to this right now. They're like, out or they're walking away. There's and some. There's some. Come back when they talk about something interesting, dude. There's somebody out there just screaming at their their you know thing, just like, come on, you know, it's this, it's this, and I just um, yeah. Of course, I can't just bring up Michael Keaton and you know see like. Um, well, going back. Going back to Apple TV for a minute, you know, the thing with Apple TV is it's hit or miss. Dope sick. Dope sick. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, I'm sorry. So going back to Apple TV, hit or miss. Apple Apple TV, I think, you know, they've got some great stuff, but then some of the stuff, it's just so, you know, deep politicized or it's like this more morality story or something. And you're you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. And then they just do or say something. You're like, fuck this. I'm out. You know, it's yeah. just screams California. Yeah. Well, everybody talks about Ted Lasso. Have you watched that? Ted Lasso is fantastic. Okay. So, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So that one's good. I watched all of it. All right. Yeah. Highly recommend it. If you're not into soccer or football, whatever you call it, as, as I'm not, um, if you just like an entertaining show that's smart, um, really, really good show. Okay. All right. Well, that might be. I might you got to watch. I, maybe it's maybe it's a one month subscription. I subscribe to Apple TV. I just burn through everything that you know I'm hearing. Is I'll just give you. I'll just give you my login right now, so oh, everybody can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until they start cracking down on it. Seems like everybody's starting to crack down on that. So, so funny story about that. Not not to belabor this issue, but yeah. years ago when my stepkids were actually living at home, um, my stepdaughter was traveling. And I would uh, constantly try to get onto my Netflix, and it wouldn't allow me. Too many users, too many users, too many users. So I'm like, who the hell has it? So it turned out, like, you know, as kids do, she would give the password to her friends. And so there was people, like, all over the world using my damn password. Oh, that's so funny. I would have to change it all the time, and they find it and do it again, do it again. That's so I just a whole new account they didn't know about. So. <laughs> that's funny. Well, what? I guess that's right. part of the issue for Netflix. I, I mean, that's the thing. From a practical standpoint, from a business standpoint, I understand why they would want to crack down on that. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I just think realistically, I don't, I don't know how that works. But you know, you know. So there's a generation. I mean, not to sound like an old fuddy-duddy old dad, but I mean, there's an entire generation that sees no harm in it at all. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't see it as stealing. They don't see it as you know the entitlement they just think that hey you know someone paid for it so i should be able to see it but you know as a trademark attorney as an ip attorney you know it's 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 you know that money has to go to pay for things it has to go pay for actors and you know whatever i mean you know so you've got to you know get revenue from from what you're putting out there so yeah it's a generational thing i'm not sure that's ever going to change um you know you see it with other 
type of sharing of content and not caring whether you give any attribution to content or not. So, gotcha. Well, uh, that's been the Villager Entertainment Report. And so now um, I'm going to briefly talk about my monthly cigars. And guys, my monthly cigars is a premium cigar subscription service where you can get a box of cigars sent to you at your door every month. Come in a variety of sizes. You get the Robusto box, which is four cigars for $30. Or there's the El Presidente box, which is eight cigars, two of everything in the Robusto box for 50 bucks. It's a good way for you to try a variety of cigars and get them shipped to your door. And if you use offer code PULPIT, that's P-U-L-P-I-T, you get uh, free shipping on your first box. And while you're over there, make sure you pick up some of that fucking good coffee. Um, you know, try the lounge blend or the uh, daily press, which is the pulpit blend, and get yourself some coffee to go along with those cigars. That's MyMonthlyCigars.com. And I want to briefly touch on my Warfighter victory here. I'm down to the final third. I haven't really talked about the cigar all that much. It's been a great smoke. A little bit of spice to it. Some earthy flavor. It's uh, smoked wonderfully despite the high humidity. I've had very little burn issue going on with it. I have had to kind of puff on it quite a bit to keep it going. Mostly just due to the fact that, like I said, it's very high humidity. And so it's wanting to uh, go out maybe a little quicker than normal. But, uh, you know, we're dealing with it. It's no big deal. So... Um, well, Frank, I really want to thank you for taking time out. Like, and, and to my listeners, you, you, you guys don't know kind of the hassle that we've gone through to make this happen. Cause you know, last Friday we were scheduled to do this and, uh, uh, my internet decided to shit the bed and, um, <clears throat> you know, this morning I wake up and I'm getting everything set up and, and, uh, that's when my landscaping, uh, guys decided to show up. And obviously, as you've heard throughout the show, they've still been, you know, going, but it's it, the mowing is done, and that was the bulk of it. And in, uh, in fairness, yeah. in fairness, we were supposed to do this Thursday night, but I canceled on you last minute, ah, which started which started this whole train wreck. But that, we're here, but that's okay because then I was able to get Nick Gervais on, and we were able to open the August my monthly cigars box because that arrived in the mail probably right about the time that you canceled. So you know, <laughs> the the universe came together to give me show content and it allowed me to have a nice week of discussing this fda because i have you on today to discuss more of the like kind of legal side of everything and then for friday's show i have drew newman coming on to discuss um kind of some of his uh version of that but then also kind of the perspective of the manufacturers that were involved in all this and to discuss kind of the the efforts that they put in and and you know what they see going forward so it's kind of a sure. whole fda themed week here on on the show yeah. well you're doing a great service so keep it up we're trying our best you know between the dick and fart jokes you know we've we've got actual <laughs> education so anyway frank if there's ever anything we can do for you obviously reach out and let me know you know you always have uh have a have a place to talk here on the cigar pulpit very good i appreciate your time man thank, thank you, you so everyone. much well guys uh oh yeah socials before i go for for as much as we're talking about how we don't like the socials uh i'm on instagram at the cigar pulpit uh i have facebook where we have the cigar pulpit parishioners group page uh people can share their uh their their cigars are smoking and whatever else is going on there I'm on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. I, haven't, I don't really do much on there. You can watch this on YouTube. And once again, I do need your calls for this month's Ask the Boys show. That's coming up at the end of the month. Uh, so get your calls and questions, whatever in. That uh, number is area code 863-874-0000. And my special guest this month to help me answer questions is going to be my dad. So... 
keep the uh, keep the co- the the questions. Um, just, just don't let me have to add them protocol any any calls. Like guys, keep the questions like decent, okay? It's my dad for God's sakes. Don't don't get in the in in the gutter. But uh, anyway, um, is there uh, anywhere people can reach out if they want to? Uh, you know. Follow. I, I don't know if you want people reaching out to follow you or not, but you know, um, I don't know if there's anywhere that you want to promote, tag, plug. No, it's funny because years ago I was I was heavy in the early days of social media and Twitter and all that stuff, and I was promoting cigar law. I am cigar law at Twitter. Um, I don't post much there anymore, but that and I had a blog called Cigar Law, and it was you know the early days of kind of keeping track of things um, on. Instagram, it's my name, Frank Herrera. That's mostly family stuff. Uh, but, you know, whatever, if you find it interesting. I uh, also have to, um, Instagram Cigar Law, but again, I don't post much there. Um, our law firm is um, still H New Media. We're rebranding to Herrera Sardinia. So we have those, you know, web accounts if you want to know about the law firm. Um, we mostly specialize in the cigar industry, so we can't help you on divorces or real estate or anything of that matter. But, you know, I'm always open to, uh, if you're a cigar smoker and you, ha- you know, have a legal question, um, I probably won't be able to help you if it's not cigar related, but I can point you in the right direction and maybe find you um, a good lawyer in your area. So, um, and I don't make a referral fee from that or anything. It's, you know, something we could do to, to help you out. So, you know, if you have a question, you want to reach out, you know, HerreraSardinia.com or HNewMedia.com. So any small manufacturers that maybe are looking for some legal representation? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm it's trying more, to help you did, out here. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're really not taking any new clients at all. Okay. Um, we're in a, in, a, in a nice position where we have a, a good stock of, of clients uh, that keep us very busy. Uh, we're not a very big firm, um, so we, we try nice. to... Yeah, yeah, we try to uh, keep our current clients happy. Um, you know, of course, that could always change depending on circumstances, but we don't actively, uh, we're not actively looking for new clients at all. Okay, well then, there you go, guys. Well, Frank, once again, thank you so much for taking time out. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Guys, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. That's Frank. Everybody, stay safe and stay smoky. And fuck cancer. Fuck cancer.